No, really. Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, which I, I hope you do, I hope you turn to uh, uh, be with me in two places this morning. Ephesians chapter 6 and, and uh, Hebrews chapter 11. So you'll find two places. Ephesians 6 and Hebrews 11. Everybody there? All right, before we get started, let's open up the, the service, the sermon and prayer. Father God, we are so thankful that you have blessed us with, with another day, a new day to where uh, we can see what you're doing. And Father, may our hearts be open to what you're doing. May be, we be enlightened and see you in this season. And Father, may be our, our eyes be open for the, the tactics uh, that the enemy is, is trying to use to keep us... Um, demobilized and and father may uh, your spirit may we abide in your spirit in the power of your spirit and father may your spirit go forth and break the chains of fear and doubt and worry and division and father may may the loss enter a relationship with you today father may the, the scales of their eyes see the beauty the price that you have paid on the cross and enter an everlasting relationship with you and father we just pray for the reading of your word Father, I pray that you would, would ease the nerves of myself and fill me with the words to say. We ask these saints your name. Amen. So we're going to continue uh, in Ephesians and our study uh, on spiritual warfare. And I know I, I've, the introduction, I've repeated the same introduction uh, several times over the last several weeks, but I think it's, it's so important for us as children of God to understand that we have armor and in order for us to be victorious, we must suit up and engage in battle and be aware of what the enemy is doing. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 57 says, Thanks be to God who given us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. And John says in 1 John 5.5, 5, who, who is he that overcomes the world but that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And I read you these verses this morning to tell you this, that the battle has been won. Right? And we are more than conquerors through Christ. We are victorious through his death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if we have accepted him as our Savior, if we have entered a relationship, we can walk in confidence with him every day knowing that the war is won. It is finished. Amen? But that doesn't mean, church, that we're not going to enter into a battle every day. The enemy is, is looking to uh, sever the, the relationship, the communication every day with you and the Father. So that's why, where he gives us in Ephesians 6, he wants to give us these pieces because he knows that we need this every day to stand against the attacks. So our, our adversary is, is going around, he's, he's raging this war on mankind to keep us, the lost, to keep them in the dark from seeing the light. He's, he's working so hard, he's laboring, he wants you to fail, he wants to deceive you, he wants to destroy you. He's trying to get you, the, he knows the desires of your heart, the weakness. He's trying to get you to bite off on that, to, to fall into sin. 
to make you believe false things and false teaching, that, uh, to do anything possible to get you from, from not walking in the joy of the Lord, living to build his kingdom, to be a kingdom builder. And once again, I ask you this every week, do you truly realize you're in a spiritual battle? Do you realize? The devil delights. Man, he delights when people are, are ignorant of this battle. And so many people come to, come to Christ with, with the notion that, that everything is, is just sunshine and rose petals. And in one sense, it is because he filled the gap that kept us separated from the Father. So in one sense, he has completed everything there, but we have a battle to engage. So at the cross, the, the gap, the separation of sin was closed and we have righteousness through Christ and, and his work on the cross. But listen, there's still a battle. There's still a battle. That's why he says in Matthew 11, he says this. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, for the Christian, we can find rest we can find rest in the peace of knowing that we are right with the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, there's still a battle going on. There's still a battle going on. We must engage every day. Every day. And there's big battles, small battles, and, and, and nobody's telling the Christian hardly anymore to take up arms. You know why? Because the enemy, listen, seniors, so many times our seniors, and I'm going to pick on you just a little bit because it ain't over yet. You still have breath in your lungs. It is not over yet. So many times we feel like that our call, whether we served in nursery, children's ministry, greeting, Sunday school teaching, Awanas, we feel like once we get to a certain age, we sit down. But guess what? If God's closing that, he's calling you into another season, something greater. Hmm? It's not over. But you know what, senior? That's where the enemy wants you. He wants you to sit still and twiddle your thumbs and not engage in the battle. And he's going to set and attack the young families. While our, our, our seniors are setting and pouring, should be pouring out the word of God into are youngsters, right? Demobilized. Demobilized. We need watchmen. We need watchmen to, to stand in the gap, to stand on the wall, to lay the bricks, intercessors to gather together in prayer. We need watchmen. So here we are. Ephesians 6, you with me? If you would stand with me, and, and I want to go back all the way in verse 10. I want to read through uh, verse 16. It says, it says in verse 10, it says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor that you may be able to stand 
may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And look at this, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Be seated. Father God, may we take up the shield of faith. Father, may we, we rise up in boldness today. Father, loosen the chains that have bound us down. And Father, may we have a singleness. May our, our eyes be focused on you and you alone. May, may it not be focused on the circumstances around you, for you are greater. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray, I, that's my prayer today, is that you see that your God is greater than what's going on around you in life. In the last six months of our lives, we've been living in fear and in doubt. And we've been demobilized. There was a, a man once named, named Oscar. And Oscar uh, was a little apprehensive about his first airplane ride. So once he arrived at his de destination, his friends was eager to know, how was the flight, they asked Oscar. He said, well, it wasn't that bad, but I tell you this, I never put my whole weight down. <laughs> hey, sound, sounds like Oscar had a, had a, a faith problem. He didn't, uh, he didn't trust the airplane he was riding in too much. So what is faith? What is faith? And this is where you, you might want to turn over to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 one provides a simple definition of faith. It says that faith is the reality of what is hoped for, but the proof of what is not see, seen. So listen, when, when we are saved, we begin a journey of faith. Faith is not an option for the believer. I, I read a definition of faith. Faith is a solid conviction of resting on God's word that makes the future present and the in, invisible scene. So let me break it down for you like this. We, we can't see God physically, but we still believe he, he exists because his word affirms his existence. We don't see uh, uh, the created world. We wasn't alive when that happened, but we still see his attributes in creation. And by his word, we know that is true. And we haven't seen heaven yet, but we have a, a faith and a hope and the word teaches about it. Listen, we believe that, that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And we haven't physically been in the presence of Jesus yet. But we have a certainty in the future we will be. Amen. And we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we have a faith and know who holds tomorrow. Hmm. So we must get to the point that we understand the importance of our faith. I want to give you a few things uh, about faith before, before we continue to move on. Faith has ears. Faith has ears. In, in faith, people walking in faith hear things that others don't. Faith allows you to comprehend and understand. You, 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 you hear it, not just with the nat natural ear, you hear it here. Faith is active in a person's life. When others can't see or hear you know when to pray, you know when to witness, you know when to, t to tell somebody to send a text message of encouragement. So people of faith have ears. They have ears. Listen, 
Faith is not future. Listen, if it was future, it would be hope. Right? Faith is not past. If it was past, it would be experience. No, faith is now. Faith is present. Faith is now. See, we complicate faith. See, we want to worry about six months, one year, five years down the road. We complicate faith. In in other words, God wants you to abide in here and now and, and depend on him for every breath you take now. Not six months down the road. So we complicate that. So faith has ears and faith is not in the future. Listen, faith has a language. Faith speaks. Faith speaks. Faith does not deny reality, but faith talks the opposite of reality. You say, what? It speaks the opposite. When God looks at a situation, he doesn't say, oh no, man, look at that liar, that drug addict, that gossiper, that sinner. No, instead of calling what reality may be, he sees you as you ought to be, as he's called you to be. Listen, here's one for me. Faith people don't give up. Paul, here's one. Faith people don't give up. They keep on keeping on. They choose progress. They face the same adversities, the obstacles, the disappointments, the attacks that other people face, but they have a different attitude about it because they have the peace of God abiding in them. Listen, faith doesn't put God in a box. Faith doesn't put God in a box. Jesus, he always varied in the things he did, the ways he healed people. He didn't heal people in the same way. He would heal one person one way and another uh, a different way. If he, ha- if he was to heal everybody the same way, you know what we'd try- be trying to do? We'd be trying to put a denomination around it or a doctrine around it. Because we know exactly what to do. You can't contain him. So listen, when people are walking in faith, no matter what setback the enemy tries to throw at you, listen, you have a confidence. You can still walk in progress because faith is the reality of what is hope and the proof of what is not seen. When we believe God, even when we can't see him, we trust him when we can't feel him. We follow him when we are are uncertain about where he's leading us into deep waters. We, 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 We follow, we lean into him. We learn by faith, not by sight. This is the kind of faith that is able to stand against the enemy, stand against the darts. It doesn't matter because we have faith. So that gets back to the text right here in verse 16. Point number two, using the shield of faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the the wicked one. Listen, a lot of times when when you and I think about a shield of faith anymore, uh, I I think about Captain America. We got some horrible people in here. Come on now, I think about Captain America and the shield, but really, that's just where my mind goes. But that's not the, that's not the, the shield of the context of when th- this was written. It was a rectangular shield. It was a shield about two and a half foot wide, about four foot 
long, if you will. And it was, it was large. It was large enough for a Roman soldier to get behind, that they could crouch behind, that they could shield their whole body. And this shield was to withstand all kinds of, of ammunition, of, of missiles. I'm going to say missiles or, or darts because th- this shield was made of wood, but it, was, it was, uh, had a leather covering, and around the edges it had metal to bind it. And a lot of times before they went to battle, they would soak it into water to withstand the flames so they could de- deflect the missiles. Listen, this is the same shield that we are to use today as Christians. But see, because on the front of it, it was Jehovah Nisi. It was the banner. It had the crest saying, hey, I'm walking in the faith of Christ. So they knew who was before them because he is our shield, our refuge, our strength. Hmm? He could withstand. It was the coat of arms. It was a symbol of the army. It was a part of the soldier's honor. It was an armor, an honor to carry the shield. Hey, I'm a, I'm a part of the Lord's army, and I'm not ashamed. I am bold. Listen, this is a shield for us today, for protection and our badge and our flag that goes before us. It identifies our faith as believers in Christ And that's essential for our victory. Just as the shield protected the entire body, the shield of faith protects us. It was the first line of defense. The the Puritan writer, William Gurnall, said it like this. He said, it's the armor for the armor. He says, it's the grace that preserves all other graces. But I want to call your attention to how not to use the shield. Listen, church, would you listen to me? How not to use the shield. This shield's not a fortress. You say, I don't understand. The New Testament clearly tells us that the church is to what? Go ye therefore and make disciples. Right? It's not a fortress. And I'm afraid that the 21st century church, the Western church, has become like a fortress. You say, what? A fortress? We never go to the community. And if we was to go to the community, the community wouldn't be welcome if they were to come in the church. Because they would be dressed differently. They would act differently. We'd expect them to walk a certain way or talk a certain way before they come into the church house. Listen, this shield is not a fortress. See, see the, the church sees the loss and the unchurched as the opposing role or the opposing side. Ephesians 6 gives us a picture of a battle that we are not to stand still. Listen, this is a weapon. We, we went from last week to having defense and off. This is a weapon. The shield and sword, this is a weapon. Where to go? To push forward. Think about Paul when he was in in prison. When he was in prison and he was still preaching the gospel. Listen, when he was in prison, that's where he, the word says that he bowed his knees and learned the posture of prayer. Listen, this is important. This posture is important. That's where he found it. Yeah, wow. 
Keep pressing on. Which leads me to the next point. The examples. This is why I have you in Hebrews 11. Examples of faith. I want you to see this. I'm going to turn over to Hebrews 11 with you. Hebrews 11. It says this, by faith Abel offered, offered to God a better sacrifice. Circle the word offered. And then by faith Noah offered in reverence or, or uh, godly fear. In verse 7, it says, some translation says godly fear or reverence. He built an ark to deliver his family. Uh, I want you to see that. Listen, in godly fear, he prepared an ark. He was preaching and warned of things yet not seen. Listen, he was warning the people of judgment that not, had not yet come. He was warning the people that it was about to rain and it never had seen any rain before. Listen, so in reverence and by faith, Abraham obeyed. So we have offered, reverence, obeyed. Abraham obeyed and went out of the place that he was going to receive an inheritance. And by faith, Moses refused. He refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose and chose to suffer with the people of God. And by faith, look at this, by faith, Rahab, a prostitute, received the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who, who disobeyed. So I want you to see these biblical examples of faith gave evidence. They carried their shield by their actions. They, there was actions to it. They offered, they built, they obeyed, they went, they refused, they chose, they received. They were not just standing and hiding and, and complacent and building a fortress. No, they were bold in their confidence with God. They knew if God said go, then go, that he would protect them. He would provide that he, would, he is the shield before them, that he would deflect the, the, the arrows of the enemy. Listen, some heroes conquered kingdoms, administrated justice, obtained promises, and even shut the mouths of lions, but still others were stoned. Some were cut in pieces. But they were still victorious. So sometimes when you carry your shield... People are going to see you victorious because you have won the battle. But at other times, victory only comes because we carry our shield to death. We follow the ones who go before us as examples. Point number four, the attack of our faith. The attack of our faith. Y'all ever played Uno? Y'all know I have four kids, so Uno is uh, sometimes a popular game in my house. Did you ever get that one that says, like, grab four more cards? Or even worse, have you played that new Attack Uno? You know what I'm saying? Where it, it has this little machine, and then it just spits them out like rapid fire, and you're sitting there like, <laughs> enough is enough. Like, I, I just got four cards, and this thing's shooting the whole deck out of me. Man, sometimes in life, isn't that how you feel about the attacks? The attacks on our faith, the devil attacks believers today out of nowhere. It's like take the whole deck. He undercuts our faith. He, he, he challenges us where we trust God. And we don't even recognize these attacks at all. Here's a good one. 
He attacks us through our worry. Got any worry warts in here? Huh? Hello? Hey, raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Got any worry warts? Yeah, all over the building. Hey, here's, here's, a, here's another little funny. There was once a, a husband who asked his wife, he said, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw my wife out there again. She's a worry wart. Worry wart. He asked her, why you always worry? Doesn't do any good. She said, absolutely it does. He says, well, how do you figure? He says, not, she says, 90% of the things I worry about never come true. Never come to be. <laughs> never happens. Listen, Matthew 6, 34 says, and listen, this, this is what Brother Paul is talking about in Matthew 6, okay? This, this is some of the singleness about seek ye first, having a single eye. And, and listen, he says in Matthew 6, 34, he says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Right? Sufficient for the day in its own trouble. If you read in Matthew 6, Jesus tells now the Father who takes care of the birds and gives beauty to the wildfires, who, who gives colors to the trees, the grass, he will take care of his children. And we are consumed by worry. Listen, I don't just want to throw my wife out there. Listen, I struggle with this too. Hey, because in corporate America, they do what, Nate? Hey, do a one-year plan. Do a three-year plan. Do a five-year plan. Hey, where are you at in 10 years? I worry about it too. He says, hey, don't worry about it. Abide in today. The enemy wants us to focus on the temporary and not the eternal. Listen, that was the distraction that Brother Paul's been sharing about, about Mary and Martha when they're at the feet of Jesus. One was distracted about all the things that, that was necessary that had to be done, but one was really focused on the things that was important to resting at, at Jesus' feet. So he wants us to worry about the temporary and not the eternal. He wants us to, to worry and somehow think that our worry is going to change the outcome. Listen, the enemy wants us to think somehow God himself doesn't know what we need when he created us and fashioned us. Wow. He wants us to be consumed by the possibilities. Listen, by the possibilities of things that have not yet happened. Consumed. Think about your worries. Where do you believe God is when you're worried? Listen, I've seen a definition of worry. It says this, it is a lack of faith in God. And I said, man, when I read that, I was like, man, my my worry, all my worry is a lack in faith in God. I like this other one better, though. It says, one writer says, it's practical atheism. I'm like, oh. This means that we are more worried about self than we are trusting God's purpose. And I'm like, oh, man, God, I don't want to put this in there, really? If worry is an issue... Listen, ask God for the grace and the strength to pick your shield up, to deflect the darts that the enemy is throwing at you, that is penetrating. Pick up your shield. Hey, here's one. Here's one. The enemy attacks your faith through fear and doubt. Hey, picture it's 3 a.m. Hey, Paul, picture it's 3 a.m rowing a boat with a bunch of other guys storms raging 
all of a sudden we see a ghost walking across the water. Paul, what's that? Paul, that's Jesus. Brother Paul gets out of the boat, walks on faith. I'm too scared. I'm like, nah, uh-uh. You see what's going on around here? Walks by faith. And then Peter, as he's walking, he walks on the water. Hey, come here, Peter. Come on. And then he, he sees the storms going, going around him. And the, the, the fierceness of the wind. He takes his eyes, the singleness. He loses singleness. And he, then his faith turns to fear and doubt. And then he, and he goes from standing on solid ground to standing and drowning in, in water. He's on sinking sand. So listen, Peter walked towards Jesus until he sensed the fierceness of the wind that gripped him. And very, very, very quickly, it changed from a man of faith to a man who was walking in doubt, who was sinking in the sea. Listen, if you go and translate that word doubt in, in Matthew 14, 31, it implies the idea of someone that is going in two different directions at one time. You ever felt like you've been pulled in two different directions at one time? I was sharing with Brother Paul this week, and, and he was sharing with me about a torture thing that pulls you from this side to this side. You ever felt tug of war going in two different directions? Hey, it can't happen. It's miserable. 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 But it that's what that word doubt transfers. And the same idea appears in James. James teaches those who pray must do so in believing and not doubting. On over in, in James, the same is where we see a double-minded man. Tossed to and fro. Listen, only the grace, only God's grace may we stand firm and not waver. One minute we believe and then the next minute we doubt. For one moment we are strong and then suddenly we are weak. What, what happens to us? What's going on? Why are we in the sea like this? The same thing that happened to Peter when he got out of the boat and looked at the storm is the same thing going on with us today. We're looking at everything around and not focused on the Father. Hmm? Listen, Tiffany and I have been in so many seasons in, a, in our short life and looking back, I, I, the fear and doubt that, that I look back that I had in that season, and looking back, now I can see God's hand providing and, and taking care and, and why in the season I ever doubted His goodness and His mercy. He was working things out for greater good. Hmm? Listen, God will meet you, your needs. He will provide for you. He will protect you. Listen, I believe so many of us in this time, in the last six, seven, eight months, are living in fear and doubt. And it's time to pray and ask God to give us the grace to take up our shield, to stand, the strength by the power of His might to walk, to fight the battle, the endurance to finish the race, finish the course. Fifth point, the last one, and I'm closing. I'm going to give you some application. Application. Increasing our faith. How to increase our faith. Jesus says in, in John 16, 
He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world. Isaiah 54, 17 says that no weapon that is fashioned, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. And, and you shall condemn every tongue that rises against you in judgment and the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their benediction from me declares the Lord. Listen, you have nothing to fear of the attack, the, the arrows of the enemy, when you have placed your faith in Christ. And when you have faith, placed your faith in Christ, then you are on solid ground. You can take a stand. You can stand fast. But you need to know your God. You need to know your God. You need to know your God and be able to stand on His promises. You must be rooted in the Word of God. Daniel eleven thirty two speaks of the end times and how the, the enemy will lead so many people astray by, by uh, deception, about flattery things. But listen, he says, but the promises, the people who know their God shall stand firm, shall stand firm and take action, shall take action. Listen, we need to be a lover of God and, and stand on his promise, be a lover of his promise. Listen, uh, Psalm 1611 says that make known to me the path of life and in your presence there are fullness of joy at your right hand and the pleasures forevermore. Listen, take pleasure in his promises. Listen, my prayer is that you could taste and see that the Lord is good, that his pleasures are good, that you'll be able to stand on the promises to help you through the season, to fight the temptation. So taste and see that he is good. Listen, don't grow weary. Take the shield. Carry the shield. That you don't have to fear in the battle. But you still have to fight. While the war is won, the battle is raging. So you still have to stand. You still have to gird and put the belt of truth on. You still have to put the breastplate of righteousness Hey, you still have to, to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. You still have to take the shield. You have to enter the fight, no matter what age you are, because it's not over. Listen, and when your arm gets tired, listen, pray that God gives you grace and strength in the power of His might. Back in verse 10, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Listen, He is your strength your refuge, your shield. You don't have to do it alone. You know why? Because you can't do it alone. Listen, the Christian life apart from Christ is impossible. We need Him to work in our lives and do what we cannot. Amen? So don't let your arm grow tired as you endure the attacks. He promises that He will strengthen you. He will fight for you. And listen, as 1 Peter again tells us, be sober, be vigilant, be alert, because as the enemy is walking around, seeking whom he may devour, resist him. Stand fast in your faith, knowing, knowing that through the, the sufferings and, and, and the experiences of your brotherhood, the God of grace who called you 
to His eternal glory. Listen, after you've suffered a little while, will perfect you, will establish you, will strengthen you, and settle you. And to Him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. So listen, we're coming to a close, and I want you to look at, at the last biblical account in Mark 9. This is a, a story about a, a boy that was possessed by a demon. And this is the account where uh, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, some things can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. So here we go. In, in Mark 9, 14 through 27, he says, Jesus arrived on the scene, and after the Father said to him, If you can't do anything, have compassion on us, in verse 22. And Jesus quickly, he countered that. He says, if you can, he says, everything is possible to the one who believes, in verse 23. So apparently the faith that had led the Father to go to the disciples in the first place had begun to what? Waver. Hmm? But Jesus reminded the father that the question was not whether he could heal the boy, it was whether the man had faith. Faith. So the father responds to Jesus by saying this in verse 24. He says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. See, the father knew that he had, he had confidence in Jesus, but he knew his confidence reflected an imperfect faith. It's day by day renewing. Jesus, I need you to renew my faith. He allows us to have faith, but we have to walk in it. Jesus, I need you to replenish every second, every hour, every minute, every day. And the father knew this. So here's the point for us. Listen, don't miss this. We can't take up a shield today and expect it to protect us from this day forward. You can't fight today's battles on yesterday's power. You can't live today on the bread of yesterday's man. Huh? You have day by day, trusting God day by day, renewing in me, renewing. That means daily getting in relationship and conversation with the Father, opening His Word, not just reading to memorize, but to walk on the Word. Huh? To wear the armor of God. Be ready. Carrying the shield sometimes means, listen, acting in faith and crying out as a, as a child. God, I, I can't. Help me, God. Help me. Listen, faith amidst the struggle is real. God, I can't do this. I need you to come and do this. But you are willing to do what God has called you to do, even if it makes no sense, even if it frightens you. Trusting His promises. Even when we can't see it so, we know it to be so because God says it's so. It's faith, huh? Listen, so as, as we close, I, I want to ask you, where are you struggling in your faith? For some of us, it's leaving a job because it's an unhealthy situation. For some of us, it's being called to teach a class or be an usher or to join a ministry or to go to an inner city and set up a whole shelter to feed the ones who are in need. Some of you, it, it is to 
gather around in your prayer warriors and set and pray for the next great awakening to fall on the sons and daughters of God. For some of us, it's to pray for our church, for our defense, that we may walk in the power of the Spirit. Listen, for some of us, it's a mission. It's because we're being called to be missionaries or it's, we're called to lead a mission to, to somewhere, whether it's Africa or Mexico or China, somewhere. Listen, for some of us, it's a church plant. Walk by faith, not by sight. So what is your faith struggling? What are you struggling today? Some of us, it's as simple as sharing a testimony. That's a big deal. Big things and small things. It's quiet. Where are you struggling at today? Some of us are struggling to even get out of the pews to admit that we have an issue going on. Because we've built a fortress around us. Because we don't want anyone to see us or our problems. And wonder why the manifestation of God is not falling in our families. Some of it, men, is to stand in the gap for your family. And not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. To walk and fulfill what he has put on your life. To be head over the household to instill the word of God in your children. What are you afraid to walk into? For some of us, hey, this is, a, this is a big one. For some of us, it's the boldness to leave the pew and to say, hey, I'm receiving Christ today. I'm walking by faith. Some of us, it's entering a relationship for the very first time. That I admit that I have an issue that I can't fix. It's called a sin problem. But today, I have found the one who bridged the gap, who paid the price. For some of us, it's, it's that, God, I admit, and I confess. Hmm? So where are you waving today? Where are you waving today? My prayer is, as Ephesians 4.1, as Paul prays, my pr the prayer, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I pray that you walk worthy in what God's calling you to. That you walk worthy of the calling that you have received. That you'll step out in boldness, not ashamed of what God's calling you to. Sometimes that's, that's a prayer group in your house. Sometimes that's a small group. Hey, sometimes it, whether you're listening to this church service or somewhere else, hey, God's calling you to a church. I don't know who all's listening. It may be this church or another church. It doesn't matter. If it is a church built on the Word of God, then we all have the same mission to build the kingdom of God. Amen? So walk ye therefore in what God's calling you to. Amen? Musicians, come. If you stand, we'll close in prayer. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the call that you have placed on our life. Father, may we abide and rest in the power of your spirit, your might, your strength. Father, I pray that your spirit would go forth in the homes, in the pews, and that you would loose the chains of fear, doubt, and anxiety, and may you release people to see your goodness and your love and your mercy for the first time, that they enter a relationship with you today. Father, I pray that people would, would be able to tear down strongholds, even their own experiences, which is a stronghold. And Father, walk and abide in what you and you alone can do. And we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.